Each chapter in the Jeep Talk Show saga is about to begin. We introduce regular product giveaways happening here on the Jeep Talk Show every month and sometimes every week. The world's most downloaded Jeep podcast will be giving you, the listener, a chance to win serious gear from major companies that you know, love, and trust. You want a chance to win tires, suspension components, maybe more? Listen every week for your chance to win big. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Well, we're so glad to have you here. If you guys weren't here, it would just be us. I mean, we'd still have fun, but it's so much more fun uh, talking to you guys and especially hearing from you. We love the interaction with our audience. And uh, uh, every time you call in and uh, leave us a voicemail or send us an email, uh, we get excited. And, and, and Josh uses the emails. Usually it's a question, a technical question, and uh, Josh will answer that in the show many, many times. And if not, he'll send you a freaking book. As an answer oh, in the email. Yeah. I sometimes worry about that. And it's like, I'm going to throw a uh, whole bunch of information at this person. Probably a lot more of a response than what they were expecting. Well, no, it, it, it's, it's so nice. Good. Yeah, it's, it's very so good. nice of you to take like that, that time and be that detailed. And I don't mean it to, in a negative way. But, I mean, you just take a lot of time whenever you're, uh, you're answering questions for our listeners. And I personally well, look, really I, appreciate it. The way I look it. at it is if they're going to take the time to engage exactly. with us, yes. I'm going to take the time to give them a quality response. Response. So exactly. you know, I, I we we do absolutely uh, like the, uh, the the engagement that we get from our listeners. Any amount of of engagement we get from you guys is very much appreciated, and I want to show that appreciation in the responses that that we give with, to you. Whether it's it's answering a, a something here on the show directly that you've you know asked of us to do through email or or whatever means, uh, or whether that's a direct email response. Uh, You know, I want to make sure that you get, you can get the best information that you can get uh, from us here at the Jeep Talk Show. Well, you said it in an earlier episode. It's it's the Jeep family, and that's the, really the way we feel about it. Is that we're hearing from a family member, and we of course want to try to uh, help them help themselves. Well, there's usually a lot more expletives, though, once I get to know you better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And I'm not saying there's more ass-grabbing, but there's more ass-grabbing. <laughs> so the JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that's also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com. You know, Jeep is going to be shutting down one of its larger, more popular production plants for eight weeks. We're going to find out why. Jeep's parent company is about to write a $4 billion check to a foreign government. Who it is and why they're doing it is what we'll be talking about. And I bet you think the Jeep 392 is a beast of a Wrangler and it's pretty fast. Well, I'm Josh and I've got news for you and a little secret to share too. And later, I'll teach you about driveline phasing, what it is, what it means, and how to check yours. Well, howdy, it's Wendy. And are you listening to our Friday episodes? Well, good, because you don't want to miss newbie nuggets and all the topics I discuss about being a new Jeeper. Hi, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama. And coming up later in the show, my top 10 Jeep slang words. 
I'm Tony, and uh, um, the long-awaited interview with Pete of the Gear Spot. What's the Gear Spot? Well, stick around, and you'll learn from our interview. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's this week in Jeep. There was a I can't find the Gear Spot joke in there somewhere, but I digress. <laughs> well, I remember the T-shirt clearly says the G Spot. So the G Spot, yes. They they make their own jokes over there. You found it. <laughs> Well, Stellantis, Jeep's parent company that formed when French PSA Auto Group took over FCA Automobiles, Stellantis, like every other major automaker, is having to adapt and make fluid, rapid decisions to execute quick production changes in this ever-shifting automotive industry. Jeep's parent company this week announced that it will be shutting down production at its Jefferson North plant in Detroit for eight weeks to retool the plant for production of the all-new Jeep Grand Cherokee. We got our first look at the reinvigorated Jeep Grand Cherokee back in September of 2021, and now that we know that it's coming with a fresh 4XE electrified powertrain, eight weeks doesn't sound half bad for a complete retooling. Currently, the plant employs just over, or I should say just under 5,000 people, and a new $900 million investment promises to create a further 1,100 jobs in the city of Detroit. A significant number of these new jobs will focus on Stellantis' push in plug-in hybrid models and full electric vehicles, including Jeep EVs. Now, the new Jeep Grand Cherokee is already being manufactured in the, at the Mack assembly plant, where, which recently saw a $4.5 million commitment from Stellantis. The plant is also responsible for assembling the three-row Grand Cherokee L and for some recent headlines, too. That's in shows past. The new 4XE hybrid model makes use of a turbocharged 2-liter 4-cylinder engine and two electric motors with a 400-volt battery pack. The setup produces a strong 375 horsepower and 470 pound-feet of torque. When running on battery power only, the Grand Cherokee Hybrid has a max range of 25 miles, allegedly. While the Jefferson North plant gets retooled, other Stellantis assembly plants, such as the Belvedere plant in Illinois, sit idle due to the crippling global semiconductor shortage. Jeep's positive moves toward an all-electric future will kick into high gear once the Jeep Grand Cherokee 4XE starts rolling off the production line. Now, which forms parts of Jeep's goals to achieve net carbon neutrality by 2038 and provide an electric option in each of its class offerings by 2025? Big goals from Jeep and its parent company. But spending big on green is clearly creating jobs, and eight weeks is a small price to pay for the good that's going to be coming out of the Jefferson North plant here in very soon time. Hmm. I don't know what to think about that. I know eight but, weeks down is is uh, is a lot of time down, but you got to remember these are UAW workers, United Auto yes, Workers, and they correct. are unionized folks. Chances are they're going to be okay. They're going yes. to uh, get a little bit of something something on the side to keep tide them over until the plant is brought back up to speed and their jobs are reopened. Now. Typically, from what I've heard in the past, is they have to reapply to get their job back. What? But I, that was that was under an old uh, Jeep boss. Now, whether or not that that same thing is uh, that same rule applies under the new ownership, I don't know. But that has been the case in years past when we've talked about Jeep's plants retooling when they open back up. The people need to reapply for their jobs because, to be honest, not everybody wants to go back to work. Uh, doing what they did before. Maybe they wanted to step up. Maybe they're moving. They had a life change. Maybe they want something different altogether. And so mm -hmm. just assuming that that person is going to sit, step right back into their old role uh, is sometimes a, a farcity. So uh, this is why they, they want you to reapply for that job is because 
they want to see if you actually really want it or not. Well, and the, who's going to? The, the real reason is management likes it because they can weed out the the, the what, what is it the wheat from the chaff. So, yeah. the, oh. Or the higher paid employees. And there, there you go. Lower. Higher there you paid go. Uh, yeah. people that yeah. make your uh, uh, medical stuff go up, the older employees, mm-hmm. all the stuff that yeah. you're not supposed all to do. The that normal you, things. That you can do it under the guise yeah, of another but let's, thing. But let's call it a retooling instead of a, hey, let's get rid of some of the extra heavy load. Oh, I'm sure people. they need to do a retooling, but let, let's get another advantage that's going to save us I some money. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there will definitely be a, a fair amount of retooling. This is going to be an all-new model with an all-new drivetrain, so th- there's going to be a fair amount that has to be switched over and changed in order to make that happen. Now, making that happen is also also uh, producing 1,100 further jobs on top of the nearly 5,000 they have already. So Which that's a big number yeah. of jobs no, in one yeah. city. Uh, especially yeah. for one for one location as well. So that's going to be a big deal. And I think that the eight-week standby time is a small price to pay for that many new jobs being created. And, and I would just say, just be an uh, important employee. Uh, don't be a problem employee. And uh, you, you probably won't have to worry about it. I mean, especially if they're adding jobs. Yeah, they may ask you back. They may want you back. So unrelated, uh, really, to this story, other than just uh, the blue color on the uh, the four XE and the the, mm-hmm. the green that they're going with these things, I thought it was interesting that they're going with blue and not green. Did, did, well, did we ever talk been, about this before? Because I mean, well, it's kind of been an industry standard. I don't know who did it first, but it blue has been sort of the telltale that this is a, a hybrid vehicle of some kind or another. I, I, you're right, Tony. It probably should have been green. Well, um, it, I mean, it kind of lends itself to marketing, and Jeep's all about marketing. Get your green new deal down at your local Jeep. <laughs> yeah, well, no, wait a minute. They're probably using blue for the hybrids and using green when they go 100%, maybe. Uh, no, because I've seen uh, the, the blue badging is on, um, you know, zero emission vehicles. I've seen the Volt? blue okay. on the badging of like the, you know, the Chevy Volt or uh, uh, or the Priuses or, you know, vehicles like that. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the blue is indicated... Um, the, the Nissan Leaf has it as well. I mean, there's, it, it's just, it's yeah, kind of an right. industry. Everybody is doing it. So whoever was the first, everybody else follows and it just has become what it is. I, somebody decided on blue versus green and everybody fell in line and that's like lemmings going off of a cliff. Yeah. Blue lemmings. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> Well, speaking of Stellantis, they've got a partner, LG Energy Solutions, and uh, together they said earlier this week that they would jointly build a battery plant in Windsor, Ontario, right across the river from Detroit, Michigan, to provide the critical components for a range of electric Jeeps and trucks that the automaker aims to introduce over the next several years. We talked about that just a second ago. The two companies expect to invest a little over $4 billion, that's billion with an M, (laughs) in the factory and create roughly 2,500 jobs. The new factory is in is the latest in a series of plants that the automakers have said that they will build in North America as they rush to produce electric cars and trucks to catch up to Tesla, which, as we know, is dominating the fast-growing market for electric vehicles. I guess this keeps us out of China then, right? They'll be able to control That's it better. That's the important part. We're keeping mm-hmm. it in North America. So we're not having to go down to Cuba. We're not having to go into South America. We're not having to go over to Asia at all. It's going to be all sort of continental-based uh, and with friends uh, that are, are a little bit more friendly to, uh, to U.S. economy. So, yeah, it's, it, and with being right across the river from Detroit, it's going to be uh, eliminating a supply chain issue as well. Uh, so, I, I can see this being a, a win-win for Jeep, especially in the long run. 
Now, this is the first, I believe, of three. And the next two are going to actually be built in America uh, versus in Canada, as this one is going to be built. Uh, but nonetheless, regardless of that, this is, uh, this is big news, and it, and it should be uh, uh, pretty, pretty well off for, for Jeep as they move forward in this electrification run. So Hugh here is familiar with the Jeep 392. You guys are both familiar with, uh, with Jeep's V8. Uh, I've, uh, actually, right? I've actually been in proximity to a, a Jeep uh, JLU that had a 392. Sounded great. I was, gonna, I was just going to ask you, how did it sound? It kind of, I'm probably sure that it sounded kind of beefy, uh, you know, very muscle car-ish. Brody, uh, V8 uh, sounding uh, engine. I, don't, I didn't ask the guy if he had done anything to the exhaust, but I, I suspect they sound like that from the factory and, and for reason, because other than the 392 and, and perhaps some acceleration you may see it do, you wouldn't be able to tell any difference. Uh, I, I couldn't tell any difference between it and just a, a regular JLU. So, uh, I mean, yeah, make some heard changes the to the sound. Little, heard the hood is a little different, but other could than be, that, could be. right. Nothing I, I noticed. Much difference. If the snowflake masses of tree-hugging, crock-wearing eco-nuts have their way, however, electric vehicles will fill the streets and trails of the world, but that day has not come yet, thank God. 20 years. I'm going to predict 20 years before we're uh, in, right. in, in the position for good electric vehicles. All right. I have to put some money down on that. But for now, we can still celebrate a nostril full of freshly burnt race fuel. Oh, love it. Now, dialing it back just a notch, we find ourselves at a drag race. But this one isn't full of alcohol-fueled funny cars or top-fueled dragsters boasting insane horsepower numbers. This is a drag race of production-level SUVs, and the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 392 was among the contenders. It was, I may note, the one rig with the least amount of power. What? No, I know, but it's only got 470 horsepower. Only. Oh, only, yeah. <laughs> now, but what it does lack in power compared to its rivals, it makes up for in weight. Because out of the four SUVs in this race, the Jeep was the lightest, weighing in at just 4,740 uh, pounds. And in this corner, we have a Mercedes-AMG G63, which just so happens to be the heaviest and most powerful, checking in at 577 horsepower and a little over 5,600 pounds. In the middle, you have the Land Rover Defender V8 with 518 horsepower and the BMW X7 M50i with 523 horsepower. Aside from similar power levels, the middle children also weigh around 5,480 pounds each, so they should be evenly matched, right? Well, on paper, yes. However, anybody remotely familiar with performance SUVs will recognize the X7 isn't quite like the other kids featured here, whereas the Jeep, the Merc, and the Land Rover are all legit off-road vehicles, meaning they've got true four-wheel drive systems and articulating suspensions. The X7, however, is aimed at road-going adventures. It has proper on-road tires and is also fitted with launch control. And since this contest of speed takes place on a massive paved runway, you can probably see where this is going. The Mercedes actually puts up a good fight, though, but the Wrangler had its feet tied the entire time. More on that here in a second. In two standing start races, the G-Wagon chases the Beamer all the way through the quarter mile, barely losing to the X7. Meanwhile, the Defender and the Rubicon take turns bringing up the rear with each one losing once. It's the same for a pair of mile-long rolling races, except things are far more embarrassing for the Jeep Wrangler you know, because 470 horsepower is plenty of muscle to get the SUV moving, but here comes the secret. 
with a governed top speed of 112 miles per hour, our beloved Jeep is literally left in the dust. The BMW may have won the day, but it's not necessarily a fair fight. Remove the speed-limiting governor or move the venue to an actual off-road environment, and it's likely going to be a very different story between these rigs. So, why did they pick those four? To I mean, what was the purpose? Was it to make BMW look better or make the Jeep look worse? I mean, it kind of sounds... Was just, it was just sort of a... Uh, they do these sort of drag races all the time. We've seen... Um, uh, I think there was one that was uh, pretty popular that uh, put a... a uh, uh, a Trackhawk Grand Cherokee uh, against like a Porsche Panamera or something Got like it. that. Yeah. Anytime that, you know, the automotive world produces uh, within a couple few model years, some pretty amazing V8 rigs or big horsepower rigs, there's always going to be a showdown um, type of, of a drag race where, you know, they get out onto a, an old abandoned airport. Mm -hmm. And they throw these things down through the wind as fast as they possibly can against each other to see who's best. And that's all it is. It's just sort of bragging rights more than mm -hmm. anything else. This, there's no real scientific basis behind this. The automakers aren't uh, on board with all of this. This is just some yahoos who've got some publication power and, and some followers that are doing this and putting out the results. Now, the videos and stuff are, are rather interesting to watch. And and it's all very uh, telling about, you know, uh, who's got what kind of power and what it actually means. Now, when you hear and when we all heard about, you know, Jeep is going to be releasing a V8 uh, a Wrangler. And we're finally going to have this, you know, big horsepower. And, you know, a lot of us, I think, were thinking that we were going to see some of those, um, you know, track hawk-like numbers. 707 mm -hmm. horsepower in a Wrangler and stuff like that. We've seen those motor swaps done before, but... It's been governed down a little bit, 470 horsepower versus 707. Obviously, there's a lot of tuning involved in that and, and different componentry and stuff like that, maybe even slightly different motors. But regardless of that, the big takeaway here is the Jeep is governing the top speed of their biggest, most powerful motored uh, SUV in the Wrangler lineup with a top speed of 112 miles per hour. Now, look, I, I agree that, you know, um, you shouldn't speed. Right? Uh, we all should follow the law. Well, I, yeah, but... I, I have a little bit of a lead foot. I will admit it that I, I typically am 5 to 10 miles per hour over the speed limit at pretty much all the time. Uh, but regardless of that, I don't necessarily need to do 112. But if I want to do 112, I want to do more than 112. Of course. And I want to get up and, and be able to use that motor for what it was designed for, which is a lot of, you know, putting down some power onto the pavement. And moving that vehicle through the air as fast as it possibly can. So maybe the short wheel, shorter wheelbase has given the automaker a little bit of uh, cold feet. They don't want somebody to go 130 miles per hour or to really open up all those ponies. I, I'm, I'm wondering if, if there's a lot more horsepower there underneath that governor and, and removing that somehow, if that's even possible, would open this Jeep up to, to really be competitive out on the track. You know, I'm kind of curious to see what a, a de-governed Wrangler 392 would do against a Trackhawk Grand Cherokee. Massive power-to-weight ratio difference here, um, and which might even things up a little bit compared to the 470 horsepower versus the 707 horsepower. But again, that 470 may not be a true number because of the governor. So, uh, so something a lot of people didn't know about the 392 Wrangler is that it has been, had its shoelaces tied this entire time right off the factory floor. 
So I did a bit of digging around. This is one of those things that I wanted to check and see if the Taser Mini, uh, I could change that on my Gladiator um, because uh, <laughs> the, the, the Gladiator's got a lot of balls. That 3.6 will, will get up and move. And um, I do not see it on the Taser Mini. However, on the Super Chips, uh, at least for the 2018 JL 3.6, uh, the Super Chip, um, and I don't know the specific model here, but it, it, it does allow you to uh, raise, disable the uh, speed limiter. So there's a speed limiter on the 3.6? Yep. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I, could so I could somewhat understand with the 392 V8, but not with the 3.6 V6. Well, I mean, if you think about it, uh, what is going to, uh, I mean, if you have a 100,000-mile drivetrain warranty, would you want people not being able to go faster than 99 no, miles I, an hour? I, I, I get that. <laughs> so I, I think that's why they would do it on, on any, any engine because the higher RPMs are going to be more, more stressful for the engine. Well, how come they don't govern then the, the Trackhawk Grand Cherokee or any of the SRT line or, uh, you know, any of other, you know, uh, Stellantis or Mopar's big muscle cars like, you know, the Challengers or Chargers with the big motors in them and stuff, you know. If you spend they, 80 grand for a fast vehicle, would you be pissed off if you could do 85? <laughs> I think well, that, I think it'd just be marketing there. Well, I mean, the 392, I think, starts at like 60 grand or something like that. I mean, that, that, that's, I mean, once I you agree with you. I don't think there should be any limiting on that. I'm just saying no. that uh, it's done by the computer and it can be disabled or well, raised. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. Uh, and if you out there are listening and you own a 392 or you know somebody who does, uh, was this something that you were aware of? Give us a call right into the show. Uh, anyway, uh, let us know. Uh, if this was something that you were aware of, and uh, if not, how does this change your your opinion of of uh, of the vehicle that you now own? Uh, is 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 it a big wake up call? Is is it left a bad taste in your mouth? Are you going to spend some money to figure out how to get around this? I'm just kind of curious out there what Jeepers are thinking about this governor. This is something that I didn't know even existed in any yeah. Jeep for that matter, let alone below the V8 line. So that that's that's something that's uh, new to me, and I'm sure that it's new to a lot of people out there as well. On the uh, the the super chip uh, uh, modifier, it has adjustable rev limiter. You can set it to stock or super chip's value, uh, speed limiter control stock or raised. So I don't know how much raised it gives you, but the question I have is. How difficult is it to to, uh, to plug in the thing and enable, disable these, or adjust it while during a high speed police pursuit? Because <laughs> that's going to be the critical time, you know, where you you need to practice that so that you can, you know, you don't want your 16 year old driving your car with the with the, the speed limiter turned off. Is is all I'm saying. Yeah, well, I'll, exactly. I'll take a page out of out of Wendy's playbook from from the last newbie nuggets, and it's all about that preparation, Tony. So you got to do this before you rob the bank. Exactly. <laughs> Before you rob the bank, though, be sure to let us know if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories. Be sure to let us know. You can do it by phone or by email, any number of ways. And we love it when you reach out and uh, interact with the show. So head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and uh, and see all the different ways that you can engage with us. Oh, and I'll mention, uh, before you rob the bank, become a paid subscriber. You're probably going to oh. be able to afford it. And you may <laughs> be going away for a long time and won't be able to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, stick around. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we have an interview with the one and only Pete Acton from The Gear Spot. I thought you said PETA. <laughs> like, no, oh, no, this isn't PETA. <laughs> You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast.
When was the last time you were over at the 4x4 Radio Network website? I bet it's been even longer for your buddies. So be sure to tell them, all your off-roading friends, about the 4x4radionetwork.com website. There's all kinds of off-road shows there, and it's the one place, the only place on the entire internet where you can get the world's best off-road podcasts all in one place and all for 100% free. The Center Steer Podcast, the 4x4 Podcast, the On the Trail Podcast, Trail Chasers, even the Jeep Talk Show is there. And it's all at the number four, letter X, the number four, and radionetwork.com. That's 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, something I'm really interested in, and it may be because of my uh, ham radio background, I'm thinking of antenna phasing, but this won't be that. It will be driveline phasing. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show is in my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast. been a lifelong Jeeper myself. Continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, uh, advice, and learning. Curious about how to become a paid subscriber? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Scroll on through that page and you will see several packages that we have available there that you can select and be a paid subscriber and support your favorite Jeep show. You know, we mentioned uh, last uh, last episode that the, uh, the Campfire Side Chat is going away. Uh, I neglected to mention, I think everybody here knows this. Uh, I think Wendy and Josh know this. The Zoom room will still be available. So if you guys like showing up on Thursday night when we're doing the recording, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll still have the Zoom room. You can still listen to the show as we record it and uh, have all the fun interacting with uh, all your favorite uh, Zoom uh, friends and personalities. Uh, so don't think you can't do that anymore because you can. We're just not going to bother you. <laughs> You're just not going to interrupt your fun <laughs> to have you in for the campfire side chat. That was the biggest complaint, too, that we were yeah. interrupting their yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're having too much fun. I know, and I'm, I'm happy. I'm, it, it's just, it builds that family, uh, and uh, just like the Discord server does. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. Last week, Josh, you talked about the Wagoneers that turned up missing from the factory. Yeah, I've got a theory on that. Uh uh -oh. People probably just took them for a test drive like they did with the uh, Grand Cherokee. And I hear uh, they're making a film about the incident. It's going to star, star George Clooney and Matt Damon. It's, it's going to be like an Ocean's Eleven type film. Yeah, they're going to call it Dirty Pond Six. Well, that's not why I'm calling. Pond scum. I'm calling to tell you that Wendy, my wife, not the lovely co-host. The lovely co-host could be my wife. My wife could be the lovely co-host. I'm not picky about who's nagging me. <laughs> Anyhow, she tried giving me the silent treatment for a week. Yeah. Best week ever. Oh, he'll pay for that oh one. All right, boys my. and girls, that one's going to cost me. Yeah. yeah. I'll catch you later. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs> yes. He's 100%. Yep. He is in trouble. That's a brave man. Or he's so far in uh, deep into it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you must have needed this every day. It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. 
Oh, this one I got a little inspired by Tony, who is an absolute nut when it comes to things like uh, flashlights, for instance. And I think this is going to be one that uh, Tony is going to be tickled pink by, uh, especially mm -hmm. when we get into the numbers of this thing. Now, I actually have one of these items. It, it is a flashlight. It's from Olight. And if you guys know uh, the brand Olight, you know they make some really good quality stuff. They have a uh, flashlight series called the Warrior Mini 2. And this is my EDC flashlight. Um, this They call this the EDC Everyday Carry Tactical Light. And uh, for the upgraded version, it's uh, it's just over $100. Now, you think to yourself, okay, that's $100, man. That's a lot of money for a flashlight. For a flashlight that can literally fit in the palm of your hands, uh, smaller than a, like a, a roll of quarters, uh, that that's about the size of this thing. It's about the size of a roll of quarters, but uh, slightly smaller in diameter. It's called like a roll of nickels almost. Uh, this has a smart proximity sensor. Why would a flashlight have a proximity sensor? Because it's that effing bright. That's why. Uh, this thing will actually burn stuff if it gets too close to it. That's how bright it is. And so the proximity sensor prevents overheating by automatically dimming the LED and turns it completely off after one minute of lens obstruction. Uh, it is powerful beyond its size. It has 1,750 lumens, over, 20 to, uh, over 220 meters of throw, and 45 days of runtime. Do you think wow. a, fl a, a, a very bright flashlight won't last that long? Well, think again. Now, obviously, it won't last 45 days at its full lumen output, but uh, that's the cool thing about this flashlight is it has so many different modes to it. Now, this can be used for EDC and tactical use, has a compact size, with, and even comes with a carabiner-style ring and dual switches, uh, making it versatile for both EDC and tactical use. Intuitive side switch selects between six different modes for all-day use and a dual-stage tail switch, allowing for quick tactical operation. Has a reversible clip, which I've already broken, which is my one complaint about this thing, <laughs> um, which uh, al allows you to wear this with the bezel up or down. You can choose which style is best for you for your style of use, giving you the best experience no matter the need. Now, like I said about the, about the, um, the clip on this thing, uh, this was after months and months of very, very hard use uh, that that clip finally broke on me. And the good thing is, is that, uh, that the clips are very easy to come by. They're like $4 a piece, $3.95 a piece. Uh, I'd recommend getting, a, you know, two or three of them. If that's my one complaint about this thing is the flashlight's removable pocket clip will occasionally break after, you know, several months of extremely hard use, uh, then I'd say that's still a win-win. Now, at $100, you think, okay, that's, that's a lot of money for a flashlight. It is, but what you get is, is probably the last flashlight you'll ever have to use. I spent some good money on, a, on a, what I thought was a bright flashlight uh, a couple few years ago. Uh, it's been a great camping flashlight, all that sort of thing. I keep it next to the bed now, uh, but this is what I carry with me uh, in my pocket all the time. If I'm crawling around underneath a rig, if I need to go look at something in the yard really quick at the night, you know, when something goes bump in the middle of the night, this is the light that I grab. It is extremely bright, it is extremely easy to use, uh, and with all the features that it has, it's worth every single penny of this. So, with something that I own myself, that I've used, and I do use almost every single day, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not opposed to recommending this Olight Warrior Mini 2 flashlight for your everyday carry as well what do you guys think about this Tony, is this something a, that you could oh go ahead Randy, what do you got yeah <laughs> i'm like wait tactical use 
Does it actually have a button on the end or is it just on the side to be able it to does. operate it? So I don't Ooh. know if you can see me. And I'm, I know this is great podcasting here, but it does yeah, have I, a I can't button see on, yeah. on the end. So, so it's it does on the have, end so you can hold it proper. When so you, you can hold it, yes, need proper it for... <laughs> tactical style. Yes, exactly. Yes, thank you. And using it like that. What I like about the clip feature is that you can actually load this thing onto the bill of a hat mm-hmm. and, and use it like a headlamp. It's oh, not okay. that heavy. It's it's oh, a stout flashlight. Cool. When when you hold it, you can tell that you're holding a, a good high quality flashlight on it, but it's not so heavy that it's going to pull your, your cap down over your forehead if you clip this thing to the bill of, of your hat. Uh, small enough that you can hold it with your mouth. Yes, I've done that a bunch of times too. Uh, it's it's very easy to hold, very easy to handle, and, and like I said, it's bright as all hell. So bright that it actually needs a proximity sensor. Uh, to automatically dim it in case you get too close to a surface. So at a hundred bucks, uh, I think I bought one a while back that was around seventy bucks, yep. and uh, it was very nice, very bright. One of the first uh, LED flashlights, small LED flashlights uh, that I have uh, purchased. And if you've ever bought any tactical lights, incandescent lights, mm-hmm. uh, your first ten or even seventy dollar LED light would just amaze you. So I was actually, uh, I saw that, uh, I saw some lights, and as you normally see from China, you will see some duplicate, something that looks just like something that you paid mm-hmm. $70 for, and it's only 10 So I tried ordering a couple of uh, the, the same type of flashlights, uh, Cree LED, uh, and uh, got, got those in. It's like 21 bucks, free shipping, Amazon Prime. And uh, every bit as bright, it was almost identical. Uh, I mean, other than some minor cosmetic differences, it was yeah. identical to the $70 light. I have b- bought a bunch of these $10 LED flashlights. I was just trying oh. to find the, the brightness. Now, it's only about half practical. It's, it's rated at 1,000 uh, lumens, but um, it, it, it really, practicality, it's between three and 800 because you, you can focus the light, I think is the reason uh-huh. why the change is the, the lumens. Uh, but it is so bright that um, there are situations where I have to point it off of something to be able to see it properly. Yes. And oh, I, that, but, I, but, I, but I do love bright lights. Now, I do have a, a larger light that I need to put in the Jeep, it, but it's the same type of thing that uh, has those, uh, what is it, 1860, uh, 18650 uh, 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 batteries. This thing carries three. <laughs> and it, it has a LED array on the end of it. Uh, and this yeah. thing will kill you. It will dissolve sure. a moth. <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be more like that would be more like a, a like a vehicle mounted light or something that's hanging on the side of the garage wall in a holster type of thing or something like that. This is this is a pocket flashlight. No, and, no, and I understand. I almost, yeah, I understand. I, I, I almost forget that I'm wearing it half the time too. But the ten dollar uh, the ten dollar ones, I've just really been happy with. I actually put it in the. Uh, the the notes uh, for our, our hangout. So if you guys uh, oh, okay want to want to check that out, but yeah, I mean I, I love bright lights and seventeen fifty lumens. Oh yeah, but practically this one that I have that's eight hundred is too bright for some situations. So does does that have the the IPF rating or whatever it is to where you know it works underwater and in dust and you know all that sort of stuff as well? I don't know. Um, okay. but at $10, I can carry a spare care less. 10. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, like, whoops, and, this one's in the water. Let and me get Wendy, the other one. Yeah. And Wendy, they do make, um, uh, Pen- uh Penetiki mounts 
uh, for that oh, size okay. that size light oh. probably the same for for the one josh is talking about yeah uh, and i've got one mounted on uh, on the gun or two so yeah. i actually don't like mine on the gun i want them separate no it's a good idea you don't want to give away your position uh, that's right yeah but uh but sometimes like on a rifle it's a little i think a little more practical uh, certainly a handgun it's it's good to be able to cross over but you know more about that than i do well, now that you must have one of the very best EDC flashlights that I think has ever been made, go to JeepTalkShow.com right now and look in the link for the show notes for episode 583 to get the best deal. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Now, if you've even ever thought about lifting your Jeep, well, the discussion about driveline bration has more than likely come up. Vibrations occur when uh, certain conditions in the geometry of the driveline are met. These are usually related to angles first and foremost, as when you lift the Jeep, the angle of the driveline changes since the differential is now further away from the transfer case. The angle of the joint in relation to the driveline must be the same at both ends. If it isn't, you're going to have vibrations. Same applies if those angles are beyond the limitations of the universal joints. Those joints are essentially bottoming out on the yokes, and this impact is what you feel in the form of vibrations. Driveline vibrations are not only annoying, they can be quite destructive. If things like angles or phasing isn't correct, excess vibrations can cause anything from premature U-joint failure to excessive component wear to even transmission and transfer case problems, including, but not limited to, bearing failure in a sudden, unplanned, rapid disassembly of said transfer case or transmission. If you've ever replaced a U-joint on your driveline or had a driveline service done of any kind, well, there's a chance that your driveline may be out of phase. A driveline in a Jeep, front or rear, doesn't matter, can have perfect angles, have the very best of components, could be built virtually indestructible and installed with utter perfection. But if it's out of phase, it will still have vibrations. Driveline, prop shaft, drive shaft, whatever you call it, it needs to have proper phasing. Phasing is the correct alignment between the yokes at each end of the drive shaft. If the yokes are not in phase, speed fluctuations will not be canceled out, and this causes vibrations. Whether from the Jeep factory or from companies like Tom Woods, for instance, drive shafts are built with the yokes at each end of the tube pre-aligned. These guys know what they're doing. So how can you tell if your Jeep's drive lines are properly phased? Well, it's very easy. We'll have a visual reference for you, too, in the show notes for this episode at JeepTalkShow.com for reference. But to check your own driveline for phasing, look to see if the yokes are aligned at each end. Yoke is a common term used in jeeping. You may have heard the term slip yoke before or pinion yoke in conversation. Yokes are all designed to do the same thing, hold a universal joint. And they're usually shaped roughly like a Y or a C, more or less. And the top ends or the ends of the Y or the C are the ears of the yoke. These ears are where the U-joints sit in between, and when in proper phase, they should be in the same position at each end of the driveline. In other words, if the U-joint down at the axle has a bearing cap pointing directly to the driver's side, well, then the U-joint up at the transfer case should also have a U-joint pointing to the driver's side. That's the easiest way. Now, some drivelines are made with alignment arrows. These will show you the proper alignment between the two drive shaft ends. Another way to ensure proper phasing and alignment of your Jeep's driveline is to look for the serial numbers. All serial numbers will be stamped on the same plane of the drive shaft. This also depicts that the drive shaft is in the correct phase and that it is aligned as it was from the factory when it was balanced first. 
Now, not all drive lines have alignment arrows or easily identifiable serial numbers, so always default to yoke position to determine whether or not your drive line is in or out of phase. So now I want you to head out and crawl underneath your Jeep and take a look at the position of all the yokes and the U-joints and see if your Jeep's drive lines are in phase. If you would like to see a very good visual representation of all this, I'll actually have a link to a video, a very easy to understand video that demonstrates all of this both visually and audibly for you to have even a deeper level of understanding of what drive shaft angle and phasing really is. I can't wait to check it out because I'm excited to see. I'm going to go check Chances out our <laughs> Chances are, Wendy, I'm pretty sure that unless you guys have driven down the road and have both looked at each other and like, do you know what that is, that humming, what that, that vibration? Because yeah. it, it often will, times will happen harmonically as well. You'll get these cycles. And it okay. Will, yeah. You know, it'll kind of come and go a little bit. It will also be speed dependent. And sometimes it will completely go away above or below a certain uh, mile per hour range. So... Mm -hmm. Driveline vibrations are kind of tricky and they can be caused by all kinds of different things, but phasing is one of those things that people don't really understand or pay attention to too much when it comes to drivelines. Have you ever known anybody who has a stock drive shaft and it has popped out of the transfer case? Or they have a slip yoke eliminator and that slip has been moved to a two-piece drive shaft to the point of where that uh, articulation has exceeded the driveline's ability to stay engaged with itself, and they've actually pulled the driveline apart, you know, pulled the spline out of the, out of the slip, uh, if you will. And if they've tried to put it back together, well, there's a good chance that it wasn't in phase. Oh, and it could be weird. You. It might not, might even, uh, might, may not be 90 degrees. It could be any kind of uh, degree out of phase, depending That's on how you put they, it back together. Yeah, even, even 5 or 10 degrees out of phase can cause issues. So climb underneath your Jeep, see what's what, take some pictures. If you're not quite sure what you're looking at, well, either send us a message and with, along with some pictures or head on down to a local driveline or, uh, or drive train shop and they'll be able to help you out. In, in, in the meantime, if you have anything to add or maybe you have a question for Tech Talk, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. That's the one link that you need to remember to get a hold of us and interact with the show. Once you do, send us a message. Let us know a topic you would like covered here on Tech Talk. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show, the number one Jeep podcast. At my mom's house. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty, ho, boys and girls, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview, and tonight we're going to be talking with Pete. Now, Pete is a boat mechanic. I know, where's the Jeep in this? But hang on. <laughs> He's from Fort La La Lauderdale. I can't even say that word, Pete. Fort Lauderdale. Relatively new to the Jeep world, about five years since buying his first Jeep. He and a good friend, along with their two dogs, quickly realized that Jeeps are lacking in storage. That's a very quick thing that you notice, uh, especially with the Wranglers. Uh, not satisfied with what they found on the market, they decided to make their own uh, storage system. Soon, Pete's wheeling friends started asking, where's mine? Now, you can be looking at the, these great little uh, GearSpot uh, G1s and G2s over at thegearspot.com. So the word the and then gearspot.com. Pete, thanks a lot for being on the show. Thank you for having me. 
All right, Pete. So uh, now you've only had a Jeep five years. Uh, what gives you the right to start making stuff for them? <laughs> uh, necessity. Yeah. Necessity is the mother of invention. And I looked at what was on the market and I didn't like anything that was out there for my particular needs. I didn't like anything that blocked side views. I didn't like any because the dogs stick their head out the sides. Yeah. When we're wheeling and i didn't like anything that was built into the back area of my jeep i don't obviously don't run the back seat because we have two medium-sized dogs in there and i didn't want to encroach on their space i mean the bags of food and and ice chests and other you know trail necessities all were like in that area so uh your your first jeep what was your first jeep uh, first Jeep is um, a 2010 JK. Started as a sport. It's no longer a sport. Axles and transfer case have all been changed. It's running a much taller gear and 37. So pretty much uh, since I'm way down here in South Florida, I use a trailer and a truck and I haul it to some place that's not just flat and swampy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, can you get up over the Galligators uh, with uh, with that setup? I would think you would be able to. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Might sustain some tire damage, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if they are a bit nippy. Um, so uh, <laughs> the the transfer case. What transfer case did you put in there? I just put in a, a Rubicon transfer case. Okay, so that, the only yeah. it was brand new and never been used. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would have liked to have an Atlas. But I was just going to say, I was kind of holding out I, in my in my mind. I was thinking Rubicon uh, transfer case, and I thought maybe it's an maybe it's an Atlas. I'm going to ask him. So well, there's nothing wrong with the Rubicon transfer case. It's I don't think it's as pretty uh, and shiny as the Atlas, though. But but the, I don't think no, the, the price quite. is anywhere close either. <laughs> not quite. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you the most important question of this uh, this entire interview, and, and obviously it's the most important one to me. What color is your Jeep? Uh, it's rescue green. I'm sorry, Pete. That's the wrong answer. The right answer would have been red. Nah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Yeah, you'll just go along with that. I love red Jeeps too. All right, so you know, I was I was thinking about those. Uh, you were talking about storage that blocks the view, and of course, blocks the dogs from being able to look out the sides. Uh, I was thinking about those. And it, it seems to be a very similar product. I don't remember the name of those products, but basically, they fit uh, on the, uh, the the roll bar, but hang down on the sides, uh, inside, but still on the sides, and it does block your view, and it blocks the driver view as well, which is not, not I think, a, a bad thing. So um, these, uh, well, you tell me, where do these go? They don't go on the side. So where does this no. uh, gear spot G1 or G2 go in the, the, the Jeep Wrangler or, and, and also too, the, uh, the uh, Jeep truck, the, uh, yeah. the Gladiator? And we, we definitely have some in there. And uh, they said it's worked out great for them. Well, it started uh, basically with just looking in the rearview mirror while you're wheeling. The dogs are back there friends with me we've got food we've got all kinds of stuff the dogs are in and out trampling mud bringing everything back in and beating up the the bread and the chips if you will <laughs> so i kept looking out the rearview mirror what do i see is the space 
behind the sound bar is approximately, you know, five inches from top to bottom. Side to side, it's roughly 44 for a JK. And from the back of the sound bar all the way to the back of, uh, as far as the, you know, the roll bar extends, and like just is just totally unused space. Mm-hmm. So I thought if we made the right bag, custom fit it, contour to the sound bar that you could access, you know, uh, overhead storage, three separate compartments uh, that have a divider in between them to keep stuff separated so you can have, you have your clothes area, your food area, and then I keep one side strictly my recovery gear, airing up tools and things like that. And then we have a cargo net underneath it that allows you to put extra stuff in, like, uh, say, wet clothes or something you want to grab real quick, a trail map. And we just uh, came up with that, and we're doing that for the for the two-door. And we started out with just uh, store more in your two-door, but we quickly realized that four-door people were all saying, well... Do you have one for us? Do you have one for us? We're like, no, unfortunately. Of course, that you know did leave us with a very limited market if we could only do two doors. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, I got asked by a friend over and over and over again, can you put one in mine? And at that point, we had just made our second bag, which would fit a uh, fit the which model was it? The not the TJ, the, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to look for a scatter. Uh, I'll throw some at you. JK, JK LJ. So it's the JL two-door. So we had to make uh, make that a little bit different. And we tried that JL two-door inside of a four-door, and it fit perfectly. The only difference was that it is over your head. Now, if you're five nine ten over yeah it's up you know your head's up in there there's a lot of people who just have kids and stuff it's great works perfect Mm -hmm. if you only have uh, the occasional tall passengers the nice thing is that it removes in about 15 20 seconds and then reinstalls in a couple of minutes even uh you can even Take it down, put it back up with all the stuff that you've stored in it still inside. So you don't have to unload everything. So if you're just having some tall passengers that are going to go out for the evening or hang out and do something, you can easily take it out and just set it in the back of a uh, unlimited. So I would assume you've got some straps or something that go around the roll bar and the sound bar. Um, how do you, how, how were you able to keep it from, from maybe sagging or, or spinning on that roll bar? So you well, know. we did it a couple of different ways. The um, the strapping webbing material has six total straps: two over the sound bar, and then two on each side for the roll bar. And it comes around and attaches with D rings, and then you just cinch it up tight. And then the second uh, step is to put the cargo netting in it, and the cargo netting that we use isn't a bungee type netting so it's not going to just stretch out and anything you put in it's going to you know make it sag real quick like Mm -hmm. 
any side pockets in the doors. We all know about those. Right. <laughs> uh, what we do is we just use a simple bungee ball system, and we use a polyester netting that does not stretch. So it's basically working as a trampoline kind of effect, if you will. And that keeps everything kind of high and tight. Okay. We put, a, we put approximately a 30-pound load limit on it. Uh, it is for lightweight items. So we do tell people, you know, no floor jacks, chainsaws, <laughs> bowling balls, children, livestock. We kind of got to keep it in perspective of what it's for. But it will carry a ton of items that, you know, you would like to have on the daily, whether you're trailing or just you know, just a daily driver. Sure. I like the idea that you can uh, put your off-road uh, the, the tree strap and th those type things in there because those things aren't overly heavy, but uh, those are uh, kind of a hard place to find uh, storage for uh, yeah. in, in any Jeep, especially a, uh, a Gladiator because uh, there's some storage behind the seat, but it, having it up high like that would be really nice, especially whenever you're not hauling anybody around all the time. It's really just you and the passenger. Um, so let's get into the um, the the GearSpot G1 and the GearSpot G2. Uh, they, they're both exactly the same thing. They're just made to fit different model Jeeps. Is that correct? Correct, correct. The G1 and the G2, really the only difference is the G2 is about three inches shorter in the soundbar area in the soundbar area because they created a, a, a larger soundbar for the JL. So we just made it, you know, just right to the contour of the newer style soundbar. And that fits perfectly even in both the JKU and the JLU and the JT. And then we found out that it works great in the TJs that have the pots. If you don't have, I'm sorry, the uh, soundbar. If right. you don't have the soundbar, you have the pods, which were in the later model TJs. Then we use the first bag, the G1, and it fits fantastic in that and the JLs as well. And, and you guys don't need to be taking notes for this thing because all this information is on the their website, thegearspot.com. But I, did, yep. I, I know that, that I would have those questions, so I'm asking uh, for you guys. Now, uh, and it's a good thing to say thegearspot.com again, because when people have heard that this will work in their, their model Jeep, they go, oh, I'm interested in this now. <laughs> I need to look at this. <laughs> so um, the, uh, so the, you, you don't have any sagging uh, problems. Do you have to take the top off or the freedom panels uh, to, to get this thing on? I mean, if you said 15, 20 seconds, so I'm assuming you don't have to go through taking off, off a top or a no. soft top or anything. It no. just goes in and around the, the bars. Correct. You can install it with a soft top, a hard top, uh, no problem. It will work with uh, your spider shade. And it works with no top at all, runs down the highway 60, 70 miles an hour. The Jeep happens to go faster than that. It'll do that too. I've had it on my Jeep with no top on the trailer and rode it for hours. And it just, it doesn't create any odd wind noise. It doesn't do any weird flapping. It just rides right where it should. 
Excellent. Oh, uh, what about uh, weather? Because you know we we all uh, worry about getting caught out in the rain or something, whether it's a uh, a shade or uh, the top is off. How, how does it handle the water? Well, the material it's made out of is hydrofat, and that goes back to me being in the boating industry. That the person I had make my first couple of prototypes is a marine from a marine canvas company and she sourced all the materials i didn't do any of that and so she sourced everything from the marine field that they make for boats and yachts so it is like some of the very best quality u.s products and hydrofend is was originally designed to be a boat cover material and it's made by the company sunbrellas so a lot of people are familiar with that name and it is made here in the U.S. It is completely waterproof material, and it holds up great. It's not, the entire bag is not 100% waterproof because it does have either three or five zippers, depending on which model you get. I've had myself, my partner in this business, Stacy, in her Jeep, come out and it's poured on it, and she finds her towels and everything else inside clothes is dry. So it is, um, we can't, because the zippers call it waterproof, mm-hmm. but it is extremely water resistant. So if you get caught out in a rainstorm, you're probably not going to have to worry about anything inside getting wet. Nobody likes soggy bread, Pete. No, no, it's, <laughs> uh, you're going to be good there. And the good thing is if you get caught out in the storm, your rain gear's in there. So you kept it in there because, you know, don't always need it but you need it somewhere close by mm-hmm. and it's just a great place to put it and it's out of the way and easy to get to when you need to access it no excuse for not having the room with one of these things uh you That's can cool. just keep it with you all the time so you, you have it when you need it which is great so the uh the the webbing the netting that's on the the bottom of uh the, the gear spot uh, g1 or g2 uh, is that accessible from either the for the passenger driver's side and the back or uh, mainly I'm thinking about it's like maps and things basically like from almost 360 degrees the driver can easily reach back like again my partner Stacy in this business she will pick up her mail and then she drives to her her house and she just p- puts her mail right back up in there just one hand behind her and it's easily to throw up in there and we do that with trail maps all the time mm-hmm well, it sounds so, like a really good idea. I mean, it sounds like it's uh, well-made and waterproof, or not waterproof, but water-resistant, uh, and uh, in an area that isn't being used for a damn thing anyway. <laughs> correct. Correct. And the way we made the um, the webbing underneath, it's custom shape to the bag, so it contours along exactly with the bag. And with the bungees, it's not hard attached to the bag, because we know there'll come a time when you might put something you shouldn't in there or uh, maybe one of the kids decides to play jungle gym with it. So if it's a wear item, we know it's going to be a wear item. So we made that as an item that can be easily uh, replaced as time goes on because all the uh, other components of the bag, the material, our webbing, we used a high end webbing. We pay a lot more than what we have to. Uh, to get a webbing that was designed to be used on a boat cover, that all the other materials, YKK zippers, were designed to be outside in the elements for years. 
Yeah, if it's so made, you're going to get a lot of use out of it over a long period of time. Yeah, if it's made for uh, the marine environment, you know it's going to be tough. Uh, so, is there any Velcro on this at all? Just looking at some of the pictures on your your site, thegearspot.com, uh, I don't see any Velcro, which is not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> well, the only two pieces of Velcro we have on there are to the left and the right of the GearSpot logo patch. And that's the one where we put the American flag patch. And then the other one, you can put anything you want on it. So when people are at the shows, we bring a whole variety of different patches, you know, funny stuff uh, or the, or some of the, the gold standards don't tread on me patches. Mm-hmm. And people can out, you know, easily go to the internet and buy their favorite sports team or anything like that that they want to put there. We just want people to be able to customize it the same way we customize our Jeeps. You know, we all make mm-hmm. them our own, right? Yeah. Well, no, that's a great idea because you can uh, stick anything you want on there. Now, does it come with the American flag? I see here in the pictures that uh, in one of those Velcro spots, the American flag is there. Does it come with that? Absolutely. Uh, excellent. American made product. I was just going to say, and, and that means your American made product, everything made right here in the US of A. Yeah, and we definitely plan on keeping it that way. Good, good. Well, it seems to be a really nice product. Uh, I, I'm really, I mean, it's, it's. I don't want to say thin, but it's not anything that looks like it would be uh, in the way uh, for, you know, obviously an adult or somebody might hit, uh, have their head riding on it or something. But uh, it, for most, most Jeep stuff, you don't have more than one person in there, maybe two if you're lucky, and they're, they're in the front. So this is really cool. Uh, and uh, like you said, it works with hard top uh, on or off. Uh, soft top on or off and uh, if you do need to get some people in the back you can remove it within uh, 15 20 seconds easily yep yep put it right in the back and then put it back up uh, within just a few minutes so just make sure everybody's on on the same page of course you can go to thegearspot.com and look at all this stuff but the gearspot g1 is for tjs with the pod speakers lj's jk's yj's with a family bar and the gear, I'm sorry. Correct. And the gear spot G2 would be for the JKU, JLU, the JL, the TJ with full speaker bar, and the JT, which is of course the Gladiator. Yes. Excellent. Well, you know, uh, somebody told me that you guys are going to try to help uh, our uh, Jeep Talk Show listeners out a little bit to to get one of these things. Uh, oh, yeah. what, what, love what you doing for us, uh, Pete? Um, we're gonna we're gonna do a fifteen percent off for you. So we want to get you, you know, having one of these things in the Jeep. Try to make it a little easier, and we'd love to see it in your Jeep. And what's that code? Uh, let's do um, Jeep Talk Show JTS uh, fifteen. If right. you like, or yeah, no, that's that's great. So uh, people, when they they go over to uh, thegearspot.com, and I would assume in checkout, there's some place where you can put in a coupon code or something. You just put yes, in J- just put in JTS fifteen. Uh, you know, JTS mm-hmm. as in Jeep Talk Show. You guys, come on, and uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the number one and five. So JTS fifteen, fifteen percent off. That's a great discount, Pete. I think so. Hope so. And what do these things go for? How much? We, we didn't ask the most important question. I mean, yeah, we expect it to all work out fine, but how much do these things cost? Well, they're um, two eighty nine is what we sell them for on uh, our website. So that'll be fifteen percent off. That'll that'll 
knock you about 40 bucks off of that. Wow, so that's great. That is closer great. to two and a half. And you know, remember, these. this is uh, an American-made product that's sewn up in South Florida. And the materials we're using are designed to last. So you're getting your money's worth, that's for sure. And, of course, if you've gone to the gearspot.com website, you see that these things are black. Do you have any uh, any uh, any future plans for maybe a tan color or a different color besides black? I mean, black is a great color all around, but you know how some people like to match their interior. Sure, sure. Uh, we have talked it a little a uh, little bit. Uh, we're not moving there quite yet, but uh, it's definitely be a possibility down the road. And is this the only way, only place that you can get these is by going to your website, or, or are they offered other places? Uh, as of right now, we're website only, or you come and meet us at the shows. We are uh, on track to be at uh, the Lone Star Jeep Invasion. That's our next, and we'd love to see everybody out there. Come by, at least stop by and say hi. And we'll be at uh, Jeep Beach, of course, because that's practically my backyard. <laughs> well, and then uh, back up Moki Mountain. I have to, uh, I have to look for you whenever uh, I go to the uh, the Lone Star Jeep Invasion. Been there uh, the last uh, two times they've had it. I was going to say the last two years, but that's not right because they skipped a year. Uh, so uh, I will uh, definitely look you up whenever I'm out there with the. Uh, red 2021 jeep talk show gladiator <laughs> I, I can show the you the proper color amazingly well together so <laughs> there's that <laughs> yeah that's true i mean I, it is a good color combination i got a lot of a lot of black on the gladiator now with mods and stuff all right well you know how the kids they love to <laughs> get on the social media and look around you got any are y'all on the social media anywhere the, the facebook the instagram uh, the, the tiktok weird. We are definitely on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Original Gear Spot. And we have tons of pictures and videos you can come see there and see exactly how, uh, how useful Gear Spot bag is. Oh, I think you've, uh, you've tapped a really good market here because everybody needs storage in a Wrangler. <laughs> I mean, even. Well, we you- actually get input. <laughs> You know, feedback coming from people at the shows who come up. And when somebody comes up and tells you, this is the best money I've spent on my Jeep, that uh, that made us feel pretty good. Oh, God, I know it does. So that is wonderful, wonderful to hear. So, uh, Pete, I want to thank you a lot for being on the show. And, uh, you know, I got the feeling you're going to be coming out with some uh, some more products. And uh, if you do, we'd like to hear about them. You'll have to come back on the show and tell us. I would love to, and I really appreciate uh, being on here. Well, we can't thank Pete enough for coming on the show and telling us how to find the G-Spot. I mean, the gear spot. No, seriously. Pete has one of the industry's coolest and most innovative cargo edition solutions for Jeeps that we've seen in a long time. And don't forget to get your discount using the exclusive Jeep Talk Show discount code. Just enter JTS15, that's JTS15, at checkout to get 15% off your order. You know, I was just thinking, uh, I did not mention this to Pete. It, It just hit me. Uh, a great item to give uh, with the purchase of every uh, the gear spot uh, overhead storage would be a uh, a, a, person- boat? a, a, oh, a personalized hand sanitizer. So, at- <laughs> <laughs> or one of those gloves that goes up to your elbow. <laughs> God. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're sorry. I, I told you before you joined the show, Wendy. We're sorry yeah. ahead of time. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like, what the? Oh, 
boy. Hey, you work with horses, don't you? I do, but I was just thinking about Chuck, right? Isn't he with the cows? He's like, I know what those gloves are for. Yeah. God. In all all seriousness, though, Jeeper, if you've got an idea for a guest, somebody who you think we should be interviewing here on the show, do not hesitate. We need those ideas. So by all means, send them in to uh, the Jeep Talk Show, and you know how to do that. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out. And if uh, you yourself would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show, we're always looking for everybody's Jeep story. We want to hear yours. Not joking, either. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and let us know if you would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Hey, coming up next week, I'll be talking with Clayton Smelling of beadlockers.com. Smelling. 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 Like sweaty balls. So so we're no longer going to have guests. We're only going to have guests like Cher uh, or uh, what's One name, yeah, Prince. Name. Prince will be a hard Prince get. Not uh, around yeah. <laughs> but nothing with last names. No. I don't hear any difference from what I said and what you said, John. <laughs> no, it was a big difference. Okay. A very big difference. Smelling. <laughs> there you go. Is that not what I said? Smelling? No, it's not what you said. What did, first I say? Poor, did I say shrimp? Poor Clayton. He's going to be like, never again. <laughs> He's like, well, this is good. Any any advertising, bad or good, bad or a preferable is good because, you know, now people are going to remember that name. I don't know which one they're going to remember, but they're going to remember that name. <laughs> one of those. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Hey, Tony, Josh, and Wendy. You know, it took me over 40 years to realize owning a vehicle takes on a whole new meaning when you become a Jeep owner. Just owning a Jeep is an experience on a whole other level than just a regular vehicle. Then, to find out about the Jeep community, and now to be a part of such an amazing community full of Jeep enthusiasts that feel the love for their Jeep like you feel about your Jeep, it's amazing. A Jeep is not just a vehicle, it's a way of life. You begin to immerse yourself into all things Jeep, and to be fully a part of the community, you need to learn the lingo. On episode 574, Wendy shared the Jeep talk show Jeep Glossary, a very helpful tool when you hear a word and you're not sure what it means. It's on the Jeep Talk Show website. And just like with any other culture, there are slang words, and the Jeep community uses these as well. To get you started, here are my top 10 Jeep slang words. Droop, downward articulation, or how far the tires can reach below the vehicle. Stuff, upward compression, or how far the tires can be pushed upwards or stuffed into the wheel housing. Naked, a term used by Jeepers to describe a Jeep with the top and doors off. Oh shit handles, grab handles on the roll bars to hang on to while crawling through the rocks. Pumpkin, the differential, which is the device on the axle that splits the engine torque two different ways, allowing output to spin at different speeds. My pumpkin is painted purple. What color is your pumpkin? Wrenching. When a group of Jeepers get together to work on a single Jeep or multiple Jeeps, usually in someone's garage. Wheeling. Driving your 4x4 vehicle off-road 
with a group of like-minded friends. Flex, or flexi, or flexed. The vehicle's ability to flex its suspension where drooping on one side and stuffing on the other while maintaining the ability to keep all four wheels on the ground when going over an off-road obstacle by means of axle articulation. Line, a pathway designated by the driver giving them a sight line to the best possible route to overcome an obstacle or to travel on a specific pathway. Choosing the correct line is often essential to becoming a successful four-wheeler. Stealership, a derogatory term given to car dealerships where do-it-yourself drivers avoid purchasing parts due to them being notoriously overpriced. What Jeep slang did I miss that all Jeepers need to know? We would love for you to share it here on the Jeep Talk Show. You can do that by going over to the Jeep Talk Show website and click on the contact page. You can call in a comment or email us one. You know, my favorite is Henway. <laughs> I've yes, always forgot that one. I've always enjoyed stealership. Uh, it's just it's just so <laughs> right. <laughs> it really does. It fits like a like a nice warm sock fresh out of the dryer. It just it, it Oh, that fits. scared me. Actually, I was thinking this is a great topic to come up with slang words for one of our uh, roundtables we do with our Zoom people. Man, I wish I had thought about this ahead of time. Uh, we replace all the words in the glossary with slang terms. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we should add some of these to the glossary personally. Yeah, it probably, probably should I be. I mean, there are some good ones in there. Well, how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. Hey, don't forget, Jeeper, the Jeep Talk Show has one of the best newsletters out there. I know you're tired of newsletters. Oh, my God, if I get one more newsletter in my inbox, I'm going to eat a bullet. Well, the Jeep Talk Show newsletter is not like that. We don't spam you. We don't sell your information. Signing up for the Jeep Talk Show newsletter is not going to suddenly have your inbox chock full of all kinds of stuff you don't want to see. We're going to send you one email a week. It's going to come from us, and it's going to be chock full of great information about what's coming up on the show. The inside info as far as uh, giveaways, interviews, even some stuff about upcoming episodes as well. So be sure to sign up for the Jeep Talk Show newsletter today. Jeep Talk Show now comes with a free bullet. Warning. Bullets not included. <laughs> well, that's it for the show for this week, fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to get out of your comfort zone by telling a complete stranger about the Jeep Talk Show. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. You know, owning a Jeep is not funny or about any one particular thing, actually. In reality, it is a special kind of bankruptcy that only a few of us can truly handle. Am I wrong? I'm guessing since 2010. I was just thinking that it can be fun if you have drive shaft out of phasing. Oh, <laughs> just playing the Beach Boys. I'm picking try, up try good driving, vibrations. Try driving to the corner store without a track bar. <laughs> yeah. That, mm. That's fun. There you go. Hmm. Shit, <laughs> shit,